Hi, lovelies. So you may have heard that there was some bad news today, today being Wednesday, February 23rd of 2022, uh, coming out of Texas, and that there's a new executive order that is a really direct attack on the trans community, especially trans children and parents with trans children. So today we have a special guest. It's my friend Alejandra Caraballo who is currently a clinical instructor at Harvard Law School and can be found at Esqueer on Twitter. That is at E-S-Q-U-E-E-R underscore. She also has a big history as a civil rights attorney and was formerly with the Transgender Legal Defense and Education Fund, as well as the LGBTQ Law Project at the New York Legal Assistance Group. So, Alejandra, we are also here with Henry and Katie, but y'all know them. Uh, can you tell us about what's going on? So just to give like the kind of TLDR of what's going on today, kind of talking about the the broader backstory, how we got here. This didn't appear out of nowhere. One of the reps from the House of Representatives in Texas requested an advisory opinion by the Texas Attorney General, which is a, a typical process that can be done. You can request opinions on whatever. They're non-binding and they don't require anyone to follow and they're, they're, they're not precedential. They're basically just opinions that like have the weight of the Attorney General's office, but it doesn't really mean much in court or anything else. This conservative rep asked for this opinion and it had been kind of coming down the pike because last year during the session in Texas, they failed to pass the ban on trans health care. You know, they just couldn't get enough heartless Republicans to vote for it in. And, and it had been a priority of the Texas tenant governor, Dan Patrick. And so basically the, the, the Texas AG issued this opinion yesterday and on Greg Abbott, the, the governor of Texas's personal Twitter yesterday, he said he was going to enforce this through the Department of uh, Family Protective Services. And this morning, his office formally directed the Department of Family and Protective Services to adopt this understanding of child abuse by the opinion of the attorney general and to start investigating children who are receiving gender affirming care and to investigate their parents for quote unquote child abuse. And it also required that people notify DFPS if they suspect that a child is trans or is in, are receiving this health care. And if not, they could face potential prosecution. The parents could also face potential prosecution. Given that this constitutes child abuse, DFPS could potentially take the children out of the home, taking them out of lovely, affirming homes where they're, they're loved by their families and throwing them into a, a foster care system and forcefully detransitioned. You know, one of the things I, I don't like to take lightly under the Convention Against Genocide that's signed by the, the UN and, and the U.S. is a treaty signing to the, this convention. One of the elements of genocide is the forceful removal of children from one group to another, specifically to eliminate the characteristic that makes them a unified and immutable group. And so when you, you look at it from that lens, like they're tr- attempting to forcefully take trans children out of families' homes to detransition them. And also it's the intentional infliction of, of physical and emotional harm. And, and given how life-saving this care is, like that, that's, it's exactly what it is. So the, I don't say it lightly, but this is, this is eugenics type stuff. This is, this is genocide. 
against trans people. It's trying to make us unlawful to exist in public space in Texas. I mean, essentially that's what this is. It's basically banning trans people from the state of Texas. It's particularly difficult because we don't know how this is going to land, right? We have the prosecutors, and I believe Harris County and Travis County, basically saying they're not going to prosecute, which is, you know, Houston and Austin, any parents or investigate any parents. But the problem is the DFPS is a state agency under the control of the governor. So they can still investigate parents and, and initiate proceedings to have children removed from homes. And the other particular difficult aspect is that that's not a guarantee in some of the more rural parts of Texas where there may be prosecutors or, or district attorneys that are more amenable to filing charges against not only doctors, but also parents and anyone who who affirms the child. So it, it's a really scary time. And ordinarily, something like this would likely never have happened had SB8 not gone through by the Supreme Court. And really what, what it showed is that Republicans can now engage in wholly unconstitutional conduct and behavior and pass unconstitutional policies and then subsequently not have them enjoined by the court. I'd imagine there's probably going to be lawsuits filed either by ACLU of Texas or other national orgs or local orgs. And they may be able to get an injunction at the district court level, but once they they get past the motion to dismiss stage. The, the the state of Texas engage in procedural shenanigans like they did in SBA, where they say that there's sovereign immunity, which then they can appeal to the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals, and then subsequently have the jurisdiction stripped from the district court. And it's basically what happened in SBA. And we have two judges on the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals that are have written horrifically transphobic opinions. Judge Kyle Stewart Duncan of uh, the Fifth Circuit, who litigated anti-trans cases. He was one of the counsel in the Gavin Grimm case for the school board. And then you have Judge Ho, who Judge Ho was the one that denied an incarcerated trans person gender-affirming care and said that it's never medically necessary in an opinion that read like a political screed. So the situation is dire. Like even if they are able to, to block this in court, the realistic scenarios that the Fifth Circuit may overturn and then engage in all kinds of shenanigans to allow this. And then the Supreme Court may not even step in. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm very, very distraught and pessimistic because if you had asked me a year ago, if somebody had done this, th- that this would get enjoyed, I would have said, yeah. But given that this is Texas and the Fifth Circuit, after SB8, I, I honestly can't say that it will. Yeah. Well, and... A year ago in Texas, I was living in Texas a year ago. I've spent about five years of my adult life in that state. And as we started to see these endless streams of anti-trans legislation, the one saving grace was that it was a big community of trans folks, like trans adults and trans kids and trans parents, and the parents of trans kids coming together to fight these bills. And we managed to keep all but one from passing. And this is just completely sidestepped an already stacked democratic process. And on a human emotional level, you know, a bunch of the moms that I know from last year met today and spent some time together and they're all terrified and people are threatening them already and saying that they're going to report them to CPS and have their kids taken away. So the harms for this aren't 
theoretical. People are already being imperiled and, and threatened and terrified. So we really need all hands on deck and everyone involved in this fight. Before we talk more about specific ways we can fight this, Henry and Katie, do either of you have questions for Alejandra about the order and how it works and things like that you think our audience might need to hear? I mean, obviously, I think I've seen a lot of stuff on Twitter that's like, now is the time to leave. But obviously, that's not an option for a lot of folks. So I'm wondering sort of what recourse people do have. Like, is there any protection that people can sort of call on who don't have the resources to go to Colorado? Yeah, I mean, that's the difficult aspect. You know, obviously, wealthier Texans may have the opportunity and luxury to be able to move out and and seek states that that actually respect trans people's lives. You know, I think right now, this is a time for the Justice Department to step in. The The Justice Department needs to issue a statement saying that if if Texas seriously engages in this, they will start bringing charges of deprivation of civil rights, because the, this is literally interfering with the child parental relationship based on a protected status, which is transgender status under the Equal Protection Clause. So there's already, you know, like transgender status is already protected under law in several circuit courts, and the Justice Department would be well justified to threaten prosecution if they go through this. Obviously, that's a tremendous escalation. And given like the nature of the political situation, it could further worsen the scenario because unfortunately, the, the, the era of politics that we live in, whenever Joe Biden or this administration gets involved in anything, the incentive for the Republicans is to immediately be against it. And any pushback emboldens them and, and wins them you know, the endearment of their base. So there is that like politi- real politic aspect of it. But at the end of the day, like I think there needs to be a level playing field. And this is what the federal government is for. It's it's to be a backstop against the loss and deprivation of civil rights. So, I, you know, I think we need to be calling the DOJ and the Civil Rights Division to step in, um, Merrick Garland and, and the local U.S. attorney's offices, because obviously this is not going to stop. Nothing in the state government is going to stop this. You, know, you have the governor and the attorney general and the entire state government of Texas is dominated by Republicans. So um, we, this is where we need federal help. You know, beyond this, you know, I, I'm a big believer in mutual aid. You know, if, if you know, I, I think this there, there's going to need to be a kind of quick learning of tactics from other, you know, movements that have been targeted, like the immigrants' rights movements among immigrants that have been targeted, having rapid response groups ready on, on the ready that basically if, if CPS shows up at the home of a trans child or their family, like having a group of people that can like be there in five or 10 minutes to like physically stop any removal. And if like police get involved, like get in good trouble, you know, physically sit there and do not, you know, let them take children out of homes I mean, it's, it's going to, we're going to, this is when we need allies to step up because not everybody has the luxury of getting out of Texas. And so I think, you know, we need to depend on mutual aid. We need to rely on each other because there's no guarantee the federal government's coming and don't expect the courts to save us. We need to save ourselves. Like this is, this is, this is where we're at right now. 
Well, and Texas is also the second most populous state in the nation. It's like 9% of the population in the United States lives in Texas. So even the expectation that people should have to leave, it's, it's such a loss of ground if it's, if it just isn't a place where trans people can exist anymore. And this affects so many people. This affects just, just so many people. It's un- unfathomable. It's not like a, it's not like a tiny blip state like Nebraska or Wyoming where it would fuck over people. But this is the second largest potential population you could affect in the United States. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe there is another bill that is likewise trying to classify gender affirming care as child abuse or perhaps multiple bills. So like this is. Yeah, there there are multiple bills. Um, this is basically, you know, digging into the deeper backstory, like the, this order by the attorney general is not in isolation. It, it pulls almost the exact citations, the exact rhetoric from a model legislation prepared by the Alliance Defending Freedom. SPLC, or Southern Poverty Law Center, uh, labeled hate group. They prepared what they called the SAFE Act, which is like Save uh, Adolescents from Experimentation Act, which like, you know, they liken gender affirming care to experimentation. And they prepared model legislation. Unfortunately, last year it passed in Arkansas. It's currently enjoined and on uh, appeal to the A Circuit. I appeared as amicus um, in that case on the trans adults brief. Really quickly, what does amicus mean? Uh, I always forget. I'm, as a lawyer, like everyone d- isn't always uh, knowing what, what some of the terms are in the jargon. So amicus means it's just a friend of the court. So we just chime in and it helped to advise the court. And in that case, we were just, you know, was, I was part of the brief with Elliot Page and uh, Lily Wachowski um, and, and I think almost 50 others, um, basically just detailing the, the, the details of our lives and how transition helped us. And so basically people like doctors can file a friends of the courts to help inform the court of issues beyond what the parties are disputing and to help give broader context. It's a, it's a common strategy. And so that, you know, Tennessee passed a similar one, but it only applied to prior to puberty, which like already is the standard of care. Like nobody's giving hormone blockers to anyone before, you know, they, they, ate, they reach puberty. So they, they, in effect, it didn't really mean anything. Um, but this year we already have, you know, there was attempts last year to pass in Florida, Alabama, I, I believe uh, there was a fuller bill trying to be passed in Tennessee, Oklahoma, obviously Texas. Um, and then the ones that passed in Arkansas. And then there was, I think, other bills that were filed. But it's really difficult unless you're on the ground to know whether or not something that's filed is necessarily actually a threat, because oftentimes it can just be some kind of random Yahoo state senator or assemblyman or, or some or rep that like has literally no support. And they just file these bills just to Did you know that you can change what you taste by what you hear? How can you use sound to make a deeper connection with your clients? Can we be healed with sound? Sound influences people in their buying decisions and their daily lives. In the podcast audio branding, I explore all of this, both with my own observations as a voice actor of over 15 years and by interviewing knowledgeable professionals in the field of advertising, marketing, music, and science. To have a listen for yourself, visit audiobrandingpodcast.com. 
so bills have to pass through at least one legislative body, depending on the state. It can work a few different ways. With this governor's order, is this like law now? I don't understand how that works. Yeah, so it's it's not binding, right? So it's not like this opinion is not the law of Texas. But because the governor took this opinion and then in effect made it the operable law of Texas, it, it's like the law in fact, right? Like if it's being enforced as the definition of what they view as child abuse, it's not the law per se, but it is the law in fact. So, for example, if someone were to be arrested for, you know, providing gender affirming care, either as a doctor or the parents of a child, this person is arrested, the, the children are put in, you know, child protective services or whatever, that would still be a, a lawsuit, right? Because it's not actually the law. I mean, that doesn't help the child in the meantime, but there's there's still a due process yeah, to that, correct? There, there is a due process. It would have to go through family courts. And it, but again, like, you know, I previously practiced in family court in New York City. And the, the problem is, is that at the state level, these judges are elected. Right. And the minute that any of these particular cases make it into the media, which you know, these people are going to do if they're already organizing harassment attempts. And then even worse in situations where parents are in disagreement over the treatment of the child, you know, they could rally. And, you know, if you're in a conservative part of Texas, these judges are appointed a, or they're running for reelection. Right. And so if they know that that's weighing on their reelection chances, they're going to then cite to the attorney general's order. And one of the things I, I want to, you know, talk to, I think in the broader context, um, when I was talking about these bills, like the, you know, this is a model bill by the ADF, but, these things are, they, they all cite kind of the same things. I had a thread on Twitter kind of debunking a lot of the, the canards that were used in, in this, uh, opinion letter. And one of the things that was like a particular issue, you know, is, is just the, the completely taking out of context various citations. Like they were trying to make it seem like the Center for Medicaid and Medicare Services said that trans, uh, gender affirming care has not ever, um, been proven effective. Um, but that was the center of Medicare services specifically to elderly population, uh, over the age of 65. And that's like specific to that because there had never been studies on specifically over people over the age of 65, but there had been studies generally of adults. So it was just a very specific limited to, you know, that's out of context. The desistance studies that they keep citing, which was based on cohorts from the eighties under that were overseen by Kenneth Zucker, a notorious conversion therapist in Canada who was fired from his job. And at the time they didn't have a real solid uh, definition of, of trans kid. They lumped in gender nonconforming kids and gay and lesbian kids. So, you know, when you, most of the kids who were gay, like desist, just, you know, that means they were just gay. Like they weren't trans. Right. And then also one of the like cardinal sins that they did is like just terrible methodology where like when kids stop showing up to the clinic, they mark them as desisted, which like is not the appropriate thing. You cannot assume that just because somebody didn't go that they had a different medical outcome. You just have to say that, you know, you attempted follow up. And when they did like attempt follow ups, most of the time they couldn't get a hold of them. So it was like, you know, is this all? It, there's so much methodological issues with this. It's it's 30, 40 years out of date at this point. The definitions aren't consistent. 
And then, you know, then they cite to these made up medical organizations. I mean, they're literally made up. Like there's the Society for Evidence-Based Gender Medicine. Like it, it's like SEGM, but like, I swear to God, every time my brain sees it, it just looks like schmegma. <laughs> so, <laughs> the first thing i thought of when you said yeah, it I'm sorry i could just see the face on uh, ada you're just like nope 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 no. uh sorry i just had to break it up with a little levity there um but anyway so like the society for evidence-based gender medicine like they, this is just a hate group that tries to you know they and this is not a new tactic in the early 2000s when like gay marriage was really like starting to pick up as a tactic in the courts or, or an end goal and to, you know, win LGBTQ rights writ large conservatives, when, when they removed like definitions of like when the major orgs of the American uh, Academy of Pediatricians came out in support of the same sex couples saying that there's no detrimental effect to children. Um, they established their own and they called it the American college of pediatricians. And this is like an SPLC labeled hate group. And they like literally exist to just put out fake not peer-reviewed studied material saying that like LGBT people are bad and they're like terrible. And they did, you know, they did the same thing here. They cited another thing to the, the Witherspoon Institute, not the Reese Witherspoon Institute of L Woods as much as I wish it was, but uh, no, it's a, a conservative think tank. That's like not an actual medical org, but that was like issuing like all of this, like kind of not peer-reviewed ethical stuff. And so like, they know the the medical orgs and the medical community and the scientific community are not on their side. The medicine is not on their side. The science is not on their side. So what do they do? They literally just make up the facts. And that's what they do. So some of the things you can do, listeners, to help is first, if you're in the state of Texas, get out and get loud. Go down to the Capitol in Austin March around that fucker. Greg Abbott's house right there. Yell at the governor's mansion. Don't let that guy sleep. The sound ordinances in Texas, real loose. Look it up. Uh, really push those barriers. I want, I want that man to not sleep. That's my personal goal. Additionally, as Alejandra mentioned, forming rapid response teams, make sure that you're connected to your community. Know who the parents in your community are make phone trees, make it so that if they need help, you can really rapidly pull together people and get people to their home as fast as possible and physically block people from removing their child from their home. There's also orgs that we would like you to reach out to and back and help any way you can, such as the Trans Education Network of Texas or TENT, the ACLU of Texas, which does some really amazing work and is going to be instrumental in this fight. Black Trans Women Inc. is, uh, that's Diamond Styles' org, who is a previous guest on this podcast and is the host of Marsha's Plate, or one of the hosts. And that's out of Houston. Uh, organization, that, I'm just gonna pronounce that French, cause I am bad at Spanish. Organization Latina de Trans en Texas, which I tried to not go French there. Uh, and then additionally equality texas is another one so look all of them up i'm going to put links to them in the show notes are there any other ones i'm forgetting there i think uh p flag i think is a good one um they have a lot of local chapters but the the national one is the one that does most of the fundraising but 
if you if you can get in contact with local p flag chapters if you're in texas and see how you can help um that you know that that that's really where all the organizing goes on as well and the Austin branch of PFLAG is really great. Uh, they were a big part of organizing the trans picnic last year. And a lot of those folks were out there protesting the anti-trans bills last year with me every day. We are going to do a fundraiser to raise some money for TENT. That's, again, the Trans Education Network of Texas, where we're going to take some of our best-selling shirts, as well as put back out the Protect Trans Kids shirt. Those all will be going up on Bonfire. So if you ever wanted one of the Transsexual Menace shirts, the best-selling X-Men shirt, that's X-Men with an E-X, uh, or a Cooper Donuts Riot shirt, and some of those other ones, we're going to be putting them on there. I'm going to set the minimum donation amount on each of them to just $5 per shirt, which puts most of the shirts at about 20 bucks for the total because of the print costs. Buy them. We'll put a link in here. We'll put a link on Twitter, and all of those proceeds are going to go to tent. Any final thoughts? Yeah, I think just the the last thing is that it's not stopping here in Texas. There are over 100 bills pending across the country. Um, there are similar bans that would criminalize this care and classify it as, as a felony in Alabama, Florida, Oklahoma, uh, quite a few other states as well, and Arizona, I believe is the other one. Um, the, that one likely may have died in us in the committee, but you can never know um, until the legislature actually adjourns. So if if you have these bills pending in your state, like please get involved, go go to these hearings and make sure that your your voice is heard. We need cis allies as well. Look up the bills. Um, the ACLU has a really wonderful build tracker. If you look up like anti-trans bills, ACLU on Google, it'll probably be one of the first things it'll tell you what the status of the bills are, which states have what, um, and the type of bill they are. And yeah, and, and you know, support your local queer and trans organizers. They're on the ground every day is fighting this. A lot of the national orgs get the credit. Um, you know, I worked at a national org. But the real people doing the work and 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 really making sure these bills don't pass are are the the local organizers. So support them as much as you can. Donate to Black and queer and trans orgs um, and get stay involved. And just on a on a broader note, this is a really hard time for everybody. Obviously, mental health is pretty poor across the board. And I like to think of this podcast, and I think Ada and Katie also think of it as a community exercise, something that's for you. And if you're hurting, if you're in pain, please reach out. Please reach out on Twitter. We have a Discord. Please reach out to us. We absolutely want yeah. to know you're okay. 